It began with moral decline. The Israelites started to live in ways that were not good for them. Evil was on the rise. Economic hardship was starting to take place and really pervade their area. Uh, they were kind of given over to fear. There was a, a neighboring nation that was starting to oppress them, and they started to hide in caves and in the mountains. And you could say that time wasn't good for them. Uh, their, their food supply was, was growing thin. They didn't know what the future held. And it's in that moment that God rose up and, and brought an angel to meet a man. And this man, you may have heard of him if you've grown up in church, you may have heard some stories about him. Uh, but, but the thing with this man is that he was timid. But what we're going to see is that God met him in his timidity and he called him to full dependency on God. So if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to jump into the book of Judges. Uh, so Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to be. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. Uh, and today we're looking at a man uh, named Gideon, and we're going to see some connections that we might have in our lives to him today. So chapter 6 of Judges, starting in verse 11, the angel is appearing to him. This is what it says. The angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. See, they're, they're trying to hide stuff because every time they came in, they would just completely obliterate their supplies. They would steal from them and, and they were trying to hide things. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, God, or go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. He said to him, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the youngest in my father's family. But I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. So you have to picture the scene, right? Like the angel is hanging out under a tree and, you know, Gideon's just going about his day, walking around and whatever he's doing, you know, he's threshing wheat and, and, and this angel shows up to him. And, and, and I don't know what Gideon thought about, but when the angel of the Lord greeted him, understand, like as we've seen, we've seen the kind of the, the full spectrum of how Gideon views God and himself uh, and his situation in just this first passage. We're going to look at a lot more. But in this passage, what we see is the angel of the Lord speaking truth into Gideon's life because uh, as we're going to see, the, the, the title of, of valiant warrior was not one that Gideon had already lived up to. But the angel of the Lord, so sometimes God will call in you, call out of you what's really in you and what he wants to do in you before you've actually experienced that. So that's just an interesting thing. Gideon didn't see himself as that. In fact, when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Gideon started to talk smack to the angel. In other words, like, hey, uh, you know, God's, why, if God is with me, what's happening? 
Like it seems like Gideon has some boldness when he's talking about God. Uh, But then when his complaint, the problem that he's bringing up about the Midianites, this this neighboring nation, this foreign power coming in and oppressing them, when, when he starts complaining about that, the angel of the Lord, because God is speaking through that angel to Gideon, God says, hey, uh, now that you mentioned that, just so you know, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to address the Midianites. And, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's like uh, Gideon switched from like the bold, like, yeah, this is the problem. Like, I'm, there's my rant on Facebook. Here's the problem. This is what I would do. Yeah, God, where are you? You need to do this to like, you know, the kid in school, like back in middle school, when I went to Miami middle school, uh, we would, if we had someone who wanted to fight, like we would go usually during like the lunch period, we would go to the boys bathroom that was close to the cafeteria. And, and the teachers kind of got like, kind of caught wind of what was happening because they would see like a crowd of 30 guys going into the bathroom at the same time. And, you know, guys were not like the ladies who would like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Like, let's go together. You know, like we don't do that. Uh, so they kind of caught on, but we would go and pile into the boys' bathroom, and then there you know, we, we would erupt. But sometimes there would be somebody who was like, uh, somebody was talking smack to them, and because they're trying to save face, they're like, you know what? Like apprehensively, they're like, you know what? I'll go and fight. But then when you get into the point where they're about to go at it, he's like, like trying to get his boys with him, and like, hey, hold me back. Like, man, you lucky he's holding me back. And then when no one's holding him back, he's like. No, it's cool. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Like that's what Gideon, it seems to me, was like. God uh, had this angel appear to him and Gideon's all talking like, you know what, God, if you were with us, then why, why? You, you've abandoned us, in fact. And then God says, hey, you know, by the way, that, that problem you're bringing up, I'm going to raise you up as the solution I'm going to send you. So why don't you get up and go and deliver your people from the Midianites? And Gideon's uh, uh, kind of posture changes. See, Gideon uh, was not really up for the task. What does he point to? He points to his own weaknesses. He said to him, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's family. Like, God, I'm not the guy. Like, I'm just the one who complains. I'm the squeaky wheel. I didn't expect you to call me. I just wanted to be the commentator who's talking about the thing. I didn't want to actually get in the game. I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy. But what does God respond to him with? Verse 16, but I will be with you. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. So then Gideon starts to go into this mode of, okay, like, I don't, this makes me uncomfortable. um, So I need to do something to make sure that this is actually from God. Uh, And so he starts to request a sign from this angel. And and so he's he's like, hey, I'm going to go get a gift and I need you to stay here. I'm going to go get this. And and just to show me that you are really from God, uh, I need you to show me a sign. I need you to show me, show me a sign. Like sometimes maybe you've been desperate enough where you're like, God, I don't know what to do. Show me a sign. Wouldn't it be nice if God would always do that? <laughs> like here's, here's the sign right here. So, so Gideon requests that from this angel and this is what 
happens. The angel of the Lord, this is verse 21, Judges chapter six. The angel of the Lord extended the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Uh, Gideon brought some meat and some unleavened bread, put it on a stone, put it on a rock, and fire came up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon realized that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, oh no, Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He was worried. But the Lord said to him, peace to you, don't be afraid for you will not die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. It is still an offer of the Abiezrites today. It's a little hard to say. So Gideon gets this sign from the angel So he's affirmed and he starts to worship God after he got the sign. See, Gideon wasn't ready to take it on faith that this was God giving him this word, giving this command. God had spoken plainly to him. Gideon realized that worshiped God. And now we get to verse 25. uh, and, And this is what it says. On that very night, so the same night that that happened, on that very night, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull and a second bull, seven years old, then tear down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So a couple things. First off, notice who owned the the altar of Baal, which Baal was this foreign god that the Canaanites worshiped. And and this was some wicked stuff, y'all. Like this, to worship Baal, one of the ways you worship Baal was, was to sacrifice children. Like literally you take your child and you sacrifice that child in fire. And Baal was believed to be the fertility God. And so the belief was, if I take my one child and sacrifice that child to the fertility God, that God, Baal, would give me more kids. And and so that's the kind of wickedness that was happening in the area. And, And notice who owned the altar of Baal and the Asherah pole. Tear down the one that belongs to who? To your father. To your father. So Gideon's dad was furthering the worship of this false god. And so imagine this, right? This this guy who was furthering the worship of a false god, his timid son was being called by the almighty God to deliver the Israelites in an amazing way. And it seems like God knew that Gideon was still not ready, that God needed to give Gideon a warm-up assignment. He needed to give him something to like get him going, a little bit of momentum. And so he said, hey, I want you to go and destroy the altar of Baal, to destroy the Asherah pole that are used to worship this false god Baal in, in, in wicked ways. I want you to go and destroy that because this is not just a battle with a foreign nation. We need to get your own house right too. And if you notice, like just thinking about this, uh, this was a moment for Gideon to really own his faith in Yahweh and the God of the universe. Because his dad obviously didn't follow Yahweh, obviously didn't follow the God of Israel. And so Gideon was tasked with this assignment to go and destroy this. And, And Gideon, this was a moment for him to own his faith 
to really own his faith. Like for, for those of you who are, uh, you know, maybe younger, maybe teenagers, maybe young adults, maybe, and maybe some of you are like middle-aged, maybe you're even older than that. Some of us haven't owned our own faith. Like we've been working from the coattails of the faith of our parents for a long time. But there has to come a point when you realize that maybe, you know, for, for some of you, your parents did not follow God at all. And you have to get to the point where you're saying, you know what, I'm going to leave whatever they believed uh, 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 in, the, in the rear view mirror. And I'm going to follow God and I, that's going to be informed by his word. And I'm going to start to follow him with my whole life. And for some, like maybe your, your parents did follow God and, and you've been kind of riding on the coattails of their faith. You have to come, come to a point where you own it, you own it for yourself. You know, I believe this. This isn't just something that we did or that we do, uh, that, we, that we just have a part of our life. No, this is what I believe. And we have to give ourselves to that. So for Gideon, he was coming to a point where he needed to own his faith in God, in the God who was calling him to be a valiant warrior. So he is told by God to go do that. And Gideon, because he's afraid, because he's still timid, he, he does this, he does handle it, but he does it at night so that no one would know what was happening. And so Gideon just continues to, see, to like show that, hey, like he's, he takes a couple steps forward and like a few steps back. So like maybe at this point, maybe he's ready. Maybe he's ready to just go and do what God has called him to do. So he, he destroys them. And then verse 34, chapter six, the spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon and he blew the ram's horn and the Abiezrites rallied behind him. He sent messengers through all of Manasseh who rallied behind him. He also sent messengers throughout Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali who also came to meet him. So the spirit of God comes upon Gideon. He blows the ram's horn like, hey, it's happening. Let's go and do this. Let's rally the troops. And, and, and he's ready, right? He's ready. No, he's not. No, he's not. Verse 36, then Gideon said to God, if you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you said, I will put a wool fleece here on the threshing floor. If dew is only on the fleece and all, on, and, and all the ground is dry, I, know that, I will know that you will deliver Israel by my strength, as you said. And that is what happened. When he got up early in the morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung, drew, uh, wrung dew out of it, filling a bowl with water. Like the first time he asked for a sign that was from an angel, okay? This time he's asking God himself, like, God, I, I know that you've appeared to me. I know that you have spoken to me, but uh, I need you to affirm me in another sign. And, and I just don't recommend, by the way, I just don't recommend this as a methodology in working out God's will. Like God is showing some amazing patience in this and dealing with Gideon. So like he, he gives him the sign. And so maybe like Gideon, all right, all right, Gideon, God, God showed you, you're, you're good. But nope, that's, that's not it. Verse 39, Gideon then said to God, don't, don't be angry with me. Like he knew he shouldn't be doing this. This was not part of God's will for him to start doubting him as in the midst of him about to go into battle. Gideon then said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me speak one more time. Please allow me to make one more test with the fleece. Let it remain dry and the dew be all over the ground. That night, God did as Gideon requested. Only the fleece was dry and dew was all over 
the ground. So we, we need to see the, the patience, the amazing patience that God has exhibited for Gideon. God has so much patience for Gideon. Like if you were God, like you probably would have just smited him after the second request for a sign, right? You're just like, bam, no, get somebody else. But thankfully, like you and I are not God because we probably would have smited him. We probably would have smited ourselves uh, in some of the things that we've done. But God was patient with him. Uh, but it's, it's crazy for Gideon, right? Like, I, I, could he, did he need another sign, really? Like, was, was God sending an angel to him not enough of a sign? Was God having that angel speak a truth about him, something that he didn't see in himself? Valiant warrior, God is with you. Was that not enough of a sign? Was it not enough of a sign for that angel of the Lord to speak that, hey, God is sending you to the Midianites? Was it not enough of a sign when the angel gave him a sign right there where he had fire come out from a rock? Was that not enough of a sign? Was it not enough of a sign that God called him to destroy his father's uh, tools of idolatry and God protected him through that and he did it? What is it not enough of a sign that the, the spirit of the Lord enveloped him and gave him the courage to blow the ram's horn? Was it not enough of a sign? See, some of us, we have been uh, sitting on the sidelines because we, we've been waiting for God to give us a sign. Oh God, if you want me to forgive this person, would you just please give me a sign? God, if you want me to be a generous person, would you just please give me a sign? God, if you want me to serve, would you just give me a sign? God, if you want me to like, do what you've told me to do and, and making disciples uh, and helping people follow Jesus to help people grow in their relationship with Jesus and not just wait for the, the, <coughs> the pastor or the minister to do it, would you just give me a sign? Guys, like there's so much that God has told us in scripture, from his very words, has told us to do things. And Gideon had that. Gideon had God's very words in his life telling him, hey, I'm, I'm calling you to go and do this. I'm going to be with you. You have nothing to worry about. I, just like I delivered your fathers from the hands of the Egyptians, I'm going to deliver you to the hand, through the hands of the Midianites. I'm going to deliver them into your hands. You are going to be victorious See, what, like, imagine what it would be like. Imagine what would happen if we who are called by God to be his children just did what our father says to do, right? Imagine how great our relationships would be. Imagine how amazing like, our community would be if we just served them in the way that God has already called us to serve. Imagine what it would be like to be used by God to help someone grow in their faith. Like we understand Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when Jesus said at the, at the end, right before he ascended to the throne in heaven, he said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And, and surely understand I'm with you to the very end of the age. What if we actually took that serious in all of us, no matter what our vocation is, no matter what our occupation is, what if we all made disciples? Because that's what we're called to do. What if we all were willing to baptize someone? What if we were all willing to teach someone? Like, think about this. You are a child of God. And God has said, hey, this is what you are called to do. What if we all just did what God has said to do? 
And sure, like there's gonna be things in our lives where we're trying to navigate what God's will is and it's gonna be harder to to figure that out because maybe scripture doesn't have a principle or a verse that specifically relates to that thing. Uh, But in those moments, we can lean on the wisdom of others. We can can lean on uh, the the just prayerful uh, consideration of what that looks like. We can look at our circumstances and see how God has been working to lead up to that moment. We can see how much uh, kind of that is working on our hearts. We can can just, there's ways to work out God's will. I don't recommend doing what Gideon did. I don't recommend saying, God, give me a sign. I don't recommend that. That's not an advisable thing because God was very much patient with him. But the way he is calling us to do this now is he has given us his word as as guidance for our lives. And he's saying, hey, just love me and love your neighbor. Like do that. You've got freedom in a lot of things. But, But love people. Imagine if we just did what God says to do. See, Gideon's trust issue really was around the, the, on one hand, his weaknesses, and on the other hand, God's power. You see, Gideon's trust issue wasn't about a lack of trust. It was about lacking trust in the right thing. See, for some reason, when, when Gideon uh, told the angel, like, hey, I'm not your guy, right? Like, I, my family's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the youngest. So I'm, I'm the weakest and the youngest and the weakest of the weakest of, of them all. Like, I've got nothing good to offer. Uh, God, you've got the wrong guy. You, you probably went a few houses too far. You need to turn around. Gideon trusted more in his weakness than he did in God's power. There, it is such a, a, a detrimental thing to ever get to a point where you believe that just because of your weakness that God can't use you. Because when we point, God, you can't, I can't do that because of this. Every time we do that, we are putting ourselves and our weakness on a higher power lane, uh, field than, than God's power and what he can do. We're elevating ourselves and we're elevating our weaknesses far above what God can do. See, what Gideon needed to understand that this was not about him. This was about God using him to do something that was gonna not benefit Gideon's reputation, but it was gonna bring glory to God. And so like Gideon was called to deliver his people in a specific way and to let loose of, to let go of his weakness so that he could trust in God's strength. That's, and, and that, like God's gonna call all of us to do something like that. God was bringing Gideon face to face with his timidity. And, and hopefully what we're gonna see is that Gideon is gonna follow God in what he is doing. See, the, the thing is we need to trust in God's strength, not your weakness. Trust in God's strength, not your weakness. Like imagine the, the just perspective shift that that could create in your life. Trust in God's strength, not your weakness. Yes, you've got some shortcomings. Yes, your life is messy. Yes, you've got some brokenness. Yes, you don't have it all put together. Yes, you've got some things that you need to still work out. Yes, there's still some things that are in you that are still uh, just kind of holding you in shackles and you need to give them over to God. Yes, that's all true. But the very thing that is true uh, even more than that is that God has the strength to overcome all those things and use you in ways that you never could imagine being used in. 
And that's what Gideon had to get to a point of, is really realizing that he needed to trust in God's strength, not in his weakness, and God's not done with him yet. So Gideon gets these, uh, these men together of all these different, different places, and, and he's got 32,000 men. 32,000 men. They are rallied. They are ready to go. And then God tells him in verse two, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many troops for me to hand the Midianites over to them or else Israel might elevate themselves over me and say my own strength saved me. Hey, you got too many, 32,000. It's too much. Normally we're like, hey, this isn't enough. But God's saying, hey, Gideon, you need to understand I'm gonna do this. It's not gonna be because of the amount of people that you have or the the amount of power that they have. This is going to be because of what I'm doing. And so God starts to dwindle this this army down. (laughs) He goes from 32,000. He says, hey, I want you to tell these troops, if anyone's fearful, if anyone's trembling, they can go home. They can go home. So 32,000 becomes uh, about 10,000. And then and he says, all right, that's still too much, still too much. Uh, I want you to have everyone go down to the water and, and uh, I'm gonna handpick the ones I want you to want, you to, want to go with you, okay? Uh, so <laughs> we get to a point now where everyone goes down to the water and uh, in verse seven, this is what God says. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with, three, with the 300 men who lapped and hand." Uh, the Midianites over to you, but everyone else is to go home. So God dwindles Gideon's army from 32,000 to 300. 32,000 to 300 to take on thousands of Midianites. Now this isn't like another uh, spinoff of the battle of Thermopylae. Uh, this isn't 300 Sparta. Uh, this, is, this is God using his people in uh, a really cool way because the rest of the story is he, he has them go and, and Gideon's still nervous. So he has to spy out the Midian camp and, and he realizes that, oh, this is, this is prime for the picking. And then in verse 20, it says this, the three, so they break out in the three companies, three of 100. The three companies blew their trumpets and shattered their pitchers. They held their torches in their left hands, their trumpets in their right hands and shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. So they surround the Midianite camp uh, and, and at night and they are surrounding them. Uh, they, they've got some, some pitchers and some, and some lantern, like some light, and, and they just start uh, breaking it and, and chaos ensues in the Midianite camp. They believe they are being overrun by thousands of soldiers and they go wild and they start slaying each other and they start running away and the 300 uh, man army goes and pursues them. And the end of the story is that God delivers the Midianites into Gideon's hands. And under Gideon's leadership, the the Israelites had 40 years of peace. 40 years of peace. Like imagine coming from uh, one point of of being, uh, being timid about going to address the Midianites and then having like this amazing army of 32,000, God's met with me, God's shown me signs, and then dwindling it down to 300, 300 men. And then Gideon followed God and depended on God for the victory. So what we see here is that God wanted to bring Gideon face to face with his timidity. 
Because when he was face to face with his timidity about his own strength, about his own shortcomings, and he, was, he looked himself in the mirror and he saw what he saw and what he saw was not sufficient enough to get the job done. God wanted Gideon to realize that his timidity was, was a pathway to dependency on God for the victory. See, God wanted Gideon to realize that, yes, you're not good enough. Yes, you are too messy. Yes, you're not going to be able to accomplish this on your own strength, on your own intellect, on your own power. This is not going to happen. But God wanted Gideon to get to a point where he realized this is all because of God. This is all because of God is with me and his power is working through me. This is, this is the truth I want us all to walk away with. Let your weakness propel you toward trusting the all-powerful God. Like we all have weaknesses, right? Like we've all got shortcomings. We've all got things that we're, we're not great at. Sometimes we, we focus so much on the weakness that it gets in the way of us trusting in the all-powerful God. Because we start to say, well, God, God, you, you can't do that through me. I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't teach this person the Bible. I can't do this thing. I can't talk to this person about Jesus. I can't, I can't do that, God. That's just not my personality. That's not my Enneagram type. That's just not me. I can't do that. But what God is saying, hey, let your weakness, let your timidity, whatever your weakness is, forgetting it was his timidity, uh, lead you to a place where you are trusting in the power of God, not your own weakness. So maybe God is wanting to use all of us in a specific way throughout our lives in different ways throughout our lives. And what he wants us to do is to trust in his power and not in our own weakness. Because the good news is that what, what we get to enjoy today is the fact that God in his patience sent Jesus to deal with our sin, to deal with our guilt, to deal with our shame, to deal with our weakness, to deal with our timidity, our brokenness. And he did all of that on the cross. And then on the third day, he rose again, putting all that in the grave and coming out with the keys to life. And he went, went up to the throne room of heaven and he's sitting there at the right hand of the throne of the Father as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And he has taken all of our insecurities, all of our baggage, all of our timidity, and he nailed it to the cross and he sent the Holy Spirit as the spirit of power to indwell us. And now today we have God's presence with us day in, day out, 24-7 if you follow Jesus. And now like God can use us in amazing ways, even now, uh, even in the midst of your weakness, even in the midst of your brokenness, he's still working and he can still use you. So today we have the hope that, that when, like, when Gideon had the, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord envelop him, we get to enjoy that every day. That's what gave him courage to blow the ram's horn and rally the troops. I don't know what battle you're facing right now, but understand that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Like God is bigger than your weakness. He's bigger than the enemy. He's bigger than whatever challenge you're facing. He is bigger. And we need to trust that he has got our best in mind. And that's what he showed the Israelites. That's what he showed Gideon. Say, man, when you finally got to the point, when you got the focus off yourself and you got your focus on me, that's when we got to work. And it took God to, to lead him through all kinds of things to, to dwindle his 32,000 man army down to 300 for Gideon to finally get it, for him to finally have the courage to move where God was telling him to move. So today, like we get to enjoy the opportunity, the privilege, 
the honor of having the Spirit of God indwell us. And yes, we're going to have moments of weakness. Yes, we're going to have moments of defeat. But God is indwelling us. And as we give him the keys to our lives, he will lead us forward. He will be able to equip us and mobilize us to do amazing things for his kingdom and for his glory, not for our, uh, our credit, our reputation. It's not for us. It's only for him. And so maybe a good prayer for us this week is simply this. God, will you show me what is true of me in light of what is true of you? Like there's probably a lot of us uh, who still wrestle with a lot of insecurity, a lot of self-doubt. And, and what we really need is an infusion of the reality of that we are made in the image of God. We are children of God. We were bought with a price that we are of infinite worth to the one who is infinite. We, we were the ones who were God saw as worth it to go pursue us and deliver us and rescue us. And now we get to enjoy eternity with God because he loves us. Like that's who we are. We are children of the King. And so maybe this week, as, as we're navigating daily life, maybe a prayer for us is, God, show me what is true of me in light of what is true of you. Because of what you've done, because of what you've shown me, show me what is true of me in light of what is true of you. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us and changing our identity, changing our outlook, changing who we are at the most foundational level. God, thank you for not just doing a, a, uh, a, a renovation in our lives, but thank you for tearing it all down and building us back up. Thank you, God, for the fact that even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our brokenness, you loved us enough to come down and deliver us by your hand. God, would you please give us an awareness of, of just how much we need to depend on you today? because it is only by your power, only by your might that we get to take another breath. You are the one who holds everything in place, all the laws of physics, you hold all molecules, you hold all the planets, you hold everything in your hands. Thank you for sustaining everything so that we can enjoy life with you. God, would you empower us today to go forward in whatever it is that you're calling us to, to love people well, to love you more, to forgive when we need to, to serve at all times, to show people our generous hearts, not because of our own willpower, but because of the work that you're doing in us. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.